Overpriced shoes, a Hail Mary pay less. You get that, Tom? Not really. <laughs> Terrific. I've got a title you don't get? No, it's okay, I guess. <laughs> and will malls look more like towns? This is episode 89 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, overpriced shoes? A Hail Mary Pay Less. Now, what the heck am I talking about? Evidently, I thought that was a pretty clever title. Well, Hail Mary Pass, Tom? I get that. Pass. Oh, you get that part. Oh, okay. Okay. So here's the story. So there's this shoe store, this new fancy shoe store. Let me tell the story the way it should be told instead of the way this article tells it. And the new fancy shoe store is called Palisi or Palesi. And the shoes are very expensive, very high-end, very good stuff. So these guys, they had a fancy Instagram account, a fancy website. They invited 80 influencers in. And we all know the beauty of influencers is that they're, they're paid to have followers and pretty much only that. <laughs> so over two nights, these people flooded through these stores, these influencers, and they spent thousands of dollars on these shoes. One shopper spent... $640 for a pair of boots. This is, you know, these are not insane prices for shoes, except for one thing, Tom. Watch is They were all Payless shoes. <laughs> so now we've seen this kind of thing, this marketing thing many times over the years, right? Where yep. someone dresses up, you know, that's really, what was the coffee that they were drinking that was like Folgers or something? That was oh, yeah, yeah. Maxwell yeah. House? I don't remember. But... Um, Chock full of nuts? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you know, fooling people is one of those kind of evergreen marketing tactics intended to prove a point, which I strongly suspect, and that's why we're doing this, ends up being the exact opposite of the point they try to prove. <laughs> okay? Here, so the responses to these guys were, oh, wow, you know, these shoes are of fantastic quality. I'm so impressed at the quality of Payless shoes. Now, Tom, do you think that the lasting impression by people who get hip to this tactic is that, wow, Payless shoes really are fabulous quality despite their low prices? Yeah, I've been waiting to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> look, uh, I like the execution. I mean, I, look at the name. It's brilliant, right? Paylessy. Paylessy, yeah. Paylessy. <laughs> I'm just not, I've talked, I, I don't know if we've done this before, but I'm not sure about this strategy. You're right. It's been done before with wine, with coffee, with fast food with mm -hmm. fashion. I mean, do you remember the Fruit of the Loom stunt? It was like a couple of years ago. They no. op Okay, they opened up a pop-up store. I think it was in New York, in Manhattan or somewhere. So it's this chic, high-end lingerie store. They called it just Fruit, uh, F-R-U-T, with, you know, the two dots over the letter U. <laughs> it, it, to prove how fancy their underwear really was. Mm -hmm. And it was the same results, right? But all they really proved is that human beings can be primed to experience something based on the expectations of right. that something. Like, it's like the placebo effect. Right. So when people are treated to, you know, an exclusive showing because they're an influencer or they see a high price on something, their brains link those cues to a greater expectation of value or reward. And that changes, mm -hmm. in fact, both their perceptions and their feelings of that thing. They've even done MRI where they've shown that the same bottles of wine that have different pricing on the labels 
actually taste different to people mm -hmm. because their brains created an expectation. Right. So that's it. So now what Payless really needs to do is create an expectation of their brand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. So in fact, what they've done is they've illustrated very clearly what their brand is not. Right. And then left folks to wonder, well, then what is your brand? Um, why should I buy Payless shoes? I mean, you're telling me that they're every bit as good as other shoes, uh, but as you just illustrated, all these other experiments, it seems to me, tend to reinforce a couple things. One, they tend to reinforce the idea of humiliation, and nobody, <laughs> least of all an influencer, Tom, wants to be humiliated. So I don't think that's going to play well, number one. Number two, I think this kind of tactic tends to remind people that fashion and the value of fashion has nothing to do with quality, nor does price. <laughs> Mark, we've talked about this a million times. Look, brands are first and foremost about people's identity. Mm -hmm, right. So Payless is creating some type of connection to people's identity right now who are walking into Payless mm -hmm. to get those shoes. And it's all based on the look, the feel, the location, the pricing. All of it means something to someone about who they are if they shop there. That doesn't mean you can automatically draw in other people because someone got fooled into thinking that they were better shoes than they really were. Yeah, what shopper for a $500 pair of shoes is now going to say, you know what, i got to get me to a pay less? No, I see what they're thinking that, that this is going to do, which is it, actually it does nothing other than get their name out there. They thought what it was going to do is have someone like you or me who's getting ready to buy a $90 pair of shoes mm -hmm. to say, hey, I can save $60 if I go to pay right. less. It doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> this is the thing. It's been done time and time again, and it never works like that. And here's what it left me wondering. Wouldn't it be a better idea for pay less to open a chain of stores called Palessi? Yeah, exactly. And with just premium re price shoes? The shoes. <laughs> well, do what General Motors does, right? And put the same, you know, the same innards of a car in a different chassis and call it a luxury vehicle. That's essentially what they do. I mean, the insides of these cars are largely the same when you're dealing with someone like General Motors. Why is that any different from shoes? It's clearly not different from shoes, which are, last I checked, significantly less technologically no, uh, wait a minute. Complicated. But see, yeah, but see, you're missing. <laughs> they would have to definitely have a different design because you wouldn't want to be walking through the mall wearing your $600 pair of boots and have somebody walk out of Payless wearing the same boots. <laughs> Tom, people are never going to encounter, people who buy Palessi shoes are never going to encounter they won't bump a Payless <laughs> in their lives. Okay. And vice versa. That's the way, this is why people go crazy over, you know, knockoff Gucci bags in Times Square. Um, but no, that's a very good point, Mark, because you see, that's what destroyed luxury car brands is because mm -hmm. all these cars were not hidden from everyone. They were all on the same highway. <laughs> so once everyone started driving Mercedes, it kind of lost the cachet. <laughs> this, is, this is why communities are called gated communities, right? <laughs> 
because the get the 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 fact of the gates, even though they open all the time and you can climb right over them somehow, <laughs> they don't even keep snakes out, let alone criminals. And yet, um, the notion of gated community implies we are inside, you are outside. That's it's, right. it's, I don't know. We're getting awfully close to The Walking Dead, Tom. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Masecker and Mark Ramsey. Will malls look more like towns? I found this to be just fascinating, Tom. This is from Axios, um, a really interesting uh, piece on the future of retail. I think we can all agree on one thing, and that's that the local mall isn't what it used to be. Mm. I could probably drive to the mall right now. Uh, here we are, early December, and I think there'll be plenty of parking spots. I think it's, so not, too. it's not what it used to be. So there are those who feel that. It's uh, that the end of the mall is not near. It's a redefinition of the mall that's coming soon. And at the root of this is something that's going on in Columbus, which is Test Market Capital USA, where they're, um, they're as they put in the article, looking to survive amid a retail apocalypse by doubling down on the much derided mall. There's a Turkish developer, whose name I'm not going to pronounce, <laughs> who is trying to expand a mall into what he calls a bona fide town at a time when all these other malls are downsizing. And this is, I just, this struck me as so interesting. So he envisions a real town where you can rent an apartment, go to work, get your groceries, go out to eat, even go clubbing on the weekend. And um, he's spending 500 million to make this true. He's going to have in in one place in uh, Columbus, he's going to have 700 apartment units, an additional quarter million square feet of retail, 300,000 square feet of office space and a new hotel. Um, all of this in one place. So he's re-envisioning this place so that it's not so much about, you know, here's where you go to shop, you go somewhere else to live, you go somewhere else to work out, you go somewhere else to party. Right, right. He's saying, no, it's all, the, it's, it's t- instead of, you know, making it a separate place, he's making it all one place. It's like a little playground that has, you know, living space, workspace, and play space all in the same spot. Uh, I thought this was fascinating. What did you think? Well, okay. I've been thinking about this for a while now, but probably about the last four or five years. And so f- first of all, that's called innovation. When you're trying sure. to figure out what people's actual desires are and making something that will attract those desires, right, right. that's what innovation is about. I think that the bet can be made for a lot less money. And he, and this so here let me give you what I've been thinking about as far as possibilities of malls for a while. I've been watching, you know, I I'm a freelancer basically, right? And I rent my own office space. I've been watching office space rents climb for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's because this gig economy is exploding. I mean, look, you got WeWork is valued at, I don't even know what, $20 billion. And I don't know if it's for the real estate or what, but it is growing. So I'll tell you what I see in my office building all the time. Problems with parking. I see during hot summers and cold winters, people don't leave the office building, gets them Mm -hmm. stuck in there. They don't Mm -hmm. go out to eat. They don't go out to shop. They rarely go out to meetings. Mm -hmm. So why don't malls convert some of their empty space and all that abundant parking to office space for mm-hmm. growing numbers of freelancers. High-speed mm-hmm. internet access. You've got restrooms in there. You've got food courts in there. You could take yeah. and make one of those uh, anchor stores into a high-end gym with yoga classes and showers. And 
I mean, think about that. All the serendipitous encounters you would have just by walking out of your office into the mall and seeing all these people that you that you never see because you're cooped up in an office building someplace. And instead of all being there to shop, they're there to shop, they're there to eat, they're there to work, they're there to live, they're yeah. there, they're there. One of the points that I was thinking about as I read through this is, is that the, the future of retail by this by, by this theory is not so much about buying, but about being. And I, I thought, you know, that just feels in tune with the times, you know, in an era when we want to own fewer things, we want to, you know, we want to take rides in Ubers rather than own cars. We want to, you know, take rent scooters uh, that happens to be sitting outside our door rather than walking. Um, the idea that everything is this close to you, that uh, you don't have to travel far, you don't have to get in a car, you don't have to get an Uber or a Lyft or anything. That's what I'm telling it's you. all right outside your door. And uh, it, it, and it struck me that you know these experiments have been arising for a while. I remember when I lived in uh, Philadelphia, I my my uh, apartment at that time was really close to kind of a. Uh, 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 suburban shopping area. It wasn't a, a mall right. by any stretch, but it was just a little shop, nice little upscale shopping area by a train station. And it was cool. It was one of the attractions to being there, which is you could walk out, you could sit out by the place, by the Starbucks, the J Crew, whatever. It was all a short stroll away from your door. Um, one of the other things that occurred to me is there are restaurants now, I'm sure you have them around you, I know I have them around me, that Sunday mornings, it's yoga. You know, they oh, yeah. before the restaurant opens on Sunday, it's yoga. Now, what that is a transformation of a space designated for one thing for something different that is about being, not eating, right? Oh, no, though, that's right. Listen, a lot of these restaurants are, are doing like the uh, co-working space, right? They, they, they have an upstairs that's not used. They do co-working and they rent out the space to people. Mm. So it's this this seems like I don't know a no-brainer to me when you've got this huge building, right? That you could stick people in. And 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 look, what do freelancers do when they have meetings? They have to get out of their office and they have to go to some coffee place, drive someplace to right. meet someone. Instead, have that guy come to the mall where you already have coffee places and restaurants and it's true. I, I don't know. That's just my It thought. makes so much sense. I think this is very very in tune with the times and the way the thing closes is is bet is that the mall can be saved if it's part of a small contained town and here's the key part that you never have to leave. That's it. Now, if if there's anything that people want, right? It's convenience, familiarity, you know, make it easy. Yep. Make it close. I mean, this is why I, my wife owns a yoga studio. The people that we've, we've got two, a couple of ads out there on Google. One ad is about, you know, the value of yoga. And the other is literally the ad is we're close to you. That's it. Guess which ad I know. gets a lot more clicks. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, Tom, it's time for rants and raves. What okay. do you have this week? All right, this is a rant. You you may have seen this. It, it, it's about that. It's about this ridiculous manifestation of what's wrong with all of us, and it's called cameo. Have you heard about this thing? No. No. Okay. This is interesting. So here's how it works. It's an online platform where anyone can go and pay to have a celebrity do a shout out video mm -hmm. to someone. Like, obviously, a fan of theirs, but maybe someone you know. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so if, for example, and this is this is extreme, but this could happen. For example, people listening to our podcast can go to cameo.com, and if we're yeah. on there, they yeah. can pay whatever we decide to charge them, and then we'll record a video shout-out to them or to someone they want to gift it to. What the hell is wrong with people? Now, how I learned about this was the legendary NFL quarterback, Brett Favre, mm-hmm. he did a $500 cameo shout-out for someone. And this someone turned out to be a member of an anti-Semitic group <laughs> who then took the video and spread it all around online, implying that Favre supported their hateful cause. <laughs> okay? So here's my question, Mark. First of all, why would any celebrity, someone who has achieved success, do a shout-out for anyone other than a sick child and why on earth would they ever <laughs> charge for it? So that's my rant, please. Uh, I I just have to say that I I of course had to look this up while I'm while I'm talking to you, and <clears throat> unsurprisingly, Perez Hilton's on there. But uh. more surprisingly, one of the things on there it says for from Newsday, it writes about this site Cameo.com, and it says for twenty five dollars you can send your dad a greeting. From June 1985, Playboy Playmate Devin DeVasquez. <laughs> what the hell is going on with people? Here? I thought, you know what? I don't know that my dad wants to hear from his favorite Playboy Playmate from June 1985, but yeah, I'm glad. You know, listen, we've lost our minds. We drive around and walk around in our communities. Nobody says hello to anyone, but we can go online and we can buy a hello from someone. That is so funny you say that because that is one of my wife's and my greatest frustrations in our neighborhood. We walk our neighborhood. We've got these two giant Newfoundlands, and people are walking by like like we're not even there. And I say, look, we're invisible. How did it happen? And then we'll go to uh, the park or something, and all, and these kids will just, you know, race over to pet the dogs because the dogs are like, you know, but these dogs are literally are invisible. I think they need fancier nameplates or something in our neighborhood. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that's a great one, Tom. I have a, I have a couple. First one, I thought this was kind of a rave and I, uh, you know, I realize that this is kind of more of a stunt than anything else, but still I have to talk about it. Are you familiar with this thing called a Capital One Cafe? I saw some commercials on. I, I don't know much about it though. Yeah, is it, I is think it a real thing? <laughs> it is a real thing. There aren't a ton of them right now. Maybe there never will be a ton of them. And yes, it's absolutely much more of a. It, it, it's it it makes a great ad, I will say. <laughs> but the the idea is that they've re this this is very much along the lines of what we just talked about with the mall. The the one of the greatest questions of our era, one that I ask my clients, you ask yours all the time, is: Are you really what you think you are. Are you really in the business you think you're in? Are you really doing what, you know, what are you for really? Mm-hmm. And I think when people ask that question about a bank branch, um, they're able to answer it differently today than they used to have to answer it. Because today, of course, we have electronic banking, you know, there's right. really virtually almost no reason anyone under a certain age needs to go into a bank. Except for the fact that, well, what if you still have bank brands? You still need to make decisions between banks. You, st- If you're a Capital One, you still want to move people to your brand. How in the world are you going to do it if you can never touch them and reach them personally, right? Right. So um, 
The Capital One Cafe is a really interesting uh, thing. They've got uh, they've got one up in L.A. and uh, you can go online and see uh, some material about it. They've got a workspace in there. They've got a essentially a Pete's Coffee House in there. They don't have tellers. They have ambassadors. <laughs> the ambassadors are there to answer your questions about Capital One accounts. Cafe events. Yes, they have events. Or last night's big game. No appointment necessary. They also have um, not bankers, but money coaches. You can make a free one-on-one rec- uh, coaching uh, appointment. Our certified life coaches are trained mm. to help you connect your finances to your goals and dreams. Tom, um, it's very, very hip space. There's people in there. It looks much more like a coffee house than a bank branch. Um, there is no one uh, in a suit and a tie. There is no one over the age of 40. There are pictures of associates there with you know balloon balloons on their head. It's it's I just thought it was an interesting reformulation of what it is to have a bank branch. It's much more of a community center, which is after all what a Starbucks is, right? Than it is a bank branch per se. So I found that interesting. What do you think about that? No, look, I think the idea is great, especially if they're targeting millennials, because I don't know if you've talked to a lot of kids today. And I say kids, I'm talking, you know, 25 to 35. Many of them have no idea how to purchase a house, how to finance things. Mm. They, they, this just wasn't on their radar screen in the past, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're coming to it late. So yeah, they, they Ubered to the bank. Right. They, uh, they don't have a checking account because what the heck are you going to do with that? Exactly. Nobody has checks anymore. Um, and then they're going to take a scooter back home. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, you're absolutely right. And that brings me to my final, and this is a rant, not a rave. This is from Tube Filter. And the title is Superwoman Lily Singh announces break from YouTube to focus on her mental health. <laughs> now, well, I love look, this. Look, the break from YouTube will help her mental health. <laughs> I, that's, I think someone, some therapist somewhere along the way must have obviously said that to her because, yes, she, and th- we're talking about someone who has more than 17 million subscribers across her various channels, who has 59 million views per month, right? She has billions of collective views, Lily Singh does. <laughs> Unbelievable. So in her goodbye message, which of course is not goodbye forever because no one in their right mind would say goodbye f- forever to <laughs> 17.2 million subscribers, Wait, I forgot. She's not in her right mind. That's why she's saying goodbye. (laughs) But not forever. Um, I'm going to be real with y'all. I am mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. She's actually spiritually exhausted, which I found fascinating. (laughs) So um, she said, uh, I've been doing YouTube consistently for eight years. For eight years, I've been putting out videos. A lot of those years, I've been doing it twice a week, plus daily vlogs. I've enjoyed it. I love it. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it has been a lot. She added that she doesn't feel like she's entirely mentally healthy, which is, you know, a great message for the 17.2 million (laughs) followers. And noted that for her, it's not possible to address mental health when she's, quote, constantly pumping out content. Oh, man. (laughs) I love this. A lot of that content, she said, is part of her struggle. Here's what she says. I haven't been super happy with a lot of the content I've created, she explained. You're going to love this. The thing about YouTube is that in all of its glory, it's kind of a machine and it makes creators believe that we have to pump out content consistently, even at the cost of our life and our mental health and our happiness, because if you don't, you'll become irrelevant. Tom, it's YouTube's fault 
<laughs> that she's pumping out content every day. It's YouTube's fault. Well, she should sue them. She should. <laughs> It's a really excellent point. In her video, she acknowledged she's been afraid to take a break before for reasons similar to other creators because they're afraid their audience will move on and their views will drop and YouTube's notoriously opaque algorithm will turn against them. So in other words, Tom, the problem, she's mad at YouTube because YouTube for her is heroin and she's mad at the dealer <laughs> for selling her the heroin. Does that make sense? Oh, boy, I don't know where you find this stuff. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you are listening right now. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, we don't really care. That's right. You can also email <laughs> us at mramsey at markramseymedia.com. It's funny. You know, I've been noticing people have been emailing me lately on different, on various different accounts, some of which I don't even know where they get from. There's like, there's like, uh, there's like a P in the middle of my last name or something. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's not going to get to me. And Tom Asacker at gmail.com. Uh, Tom has some great email lists to catch up on. By the way, Tom, I see you've retitled um, your uh, email list for Keats. Is that right? I, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this Tom Asacker? I thought this was Tom Asacker. Yeah, I'm anti-promotion, Mike. You know okay, fair enough. I am Keats.com. Catch up on older episodes of our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the amazing producer of Media Unplugged. We cannot say enough about this guy, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at Jeff-Schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening. 